Thanks for joining the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. I'm your podcast host, Jonathan Warner. Here with me is Kevin Sweeney. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at CBB Central. Uh, he is the winner of the independent college basketball poll voting of the year. Uh, so best independent as voted by people on Twitter. Uh, he's an excellent resource for mid-majors, knows basically every mid-major league like the back of his hand. Welcome on to the show, Kevin. It's been fun, it's been fun watching your show grow. It's It's been fun to chat with you this season, so happy to happy to hop on. Should be should be a fun one. Yeah, it should be interesting. Uh, we got a few storylines kind of at that end of the – I'd kind of break the season down into three different parts. You got March Madness – uh, conference play, and then kind of the pre-conference play. So we're ending kind of the stoppage in the, the pre-conference play here. Uh, and there's, you know, some interesting storylines that have developed throughout the season. One that I was, you know, wanting to get into is the teams with high expectations kind of struggling this year. You have North Carolina, Florida, Kentucky, Michigan State, just to name a few that have really not played well this season. Uh, each of them have their own different struggles. I think part of the reason for that, I was kind of listening to your podcast earlier in the day, uh, and you mentioned like the lack of overall talent, uh, and Brad went on to discuss how there's like seven or eight guys that if they would have just returned, their teams would have been a whole lot better. Uh, do you kind of see that as why teams with higher expectations have kind of struggled this year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a mix of a lot of things. I think there's the kind of second-tier teams. I think those are most of the ones that Brad was really referring to, that, you know, if they add one piece, they wound up leaving early, like a Tyus Battle at Syracuse, like a Brandon Randolph, like a Justin Simon. Some of these second-tier programs uh, could have really been impacted by having those guys back. I think it's a mix of that. I think it's a mix of kind of we knew this offseason – uh, that a lot of these teams, you know, it wasn't your traditional, look how strong all these teams are at the top, look at all these powerhouses. You know, I think the recruiting and the way that talent really dispersed evenly, where Anthony Edwards goes to Georgia, Isaiah Stewart goes to uh, Washington, I think things like that uh, really impact kind of the top tier and the blue blood teams, not maybe living up to expectations. Uh, and I think with all of those teams, they've had some kind of pretty clear disappointment. Uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, with North Carolina, I think the grad transfers are the two that really uh, jump off the page and Justin Pierce and Christian Keeling, who really struggled that people thought would step into big roles you know, with Florida. It's just been kind of a lack of synergy, a lack of uh, an appealing style of play. And Mike White, I don't think has done, has done a really good job with that team so far this season. Uh, Kentucky, just the overall lack of shooting. Uh, and then, then with Michigan state, really the lack of someone show someone developing beyond Cassius Winston uh, and obviously the, the kind of personal uh, difficulties that Cassius went through with the uh, obviously the tragic loss of his brother so uh, there's a reason why all those teams have struggled but I think uh, you know with, with some of those higher expectation teams I think it has more to do with them not getting the traditional elite recruits I think you know Michigan State really wanted Isaiah Stewart so would have Kentucky um, you know pretty much at any team could use an Isaiah Stewart and Anthony Edwards, guy like that. So uh, when teams aren't getting three, four, five, five stars, uh, it does make it a little bit more difficult to dominate the the college basketball landscape. Yeah, if, you know, one or two players, you mentioned Anthony Edwards. I think Kentucky was in the final three for him. If he goes there, Kentucky's probably more of a, you know, number one team than they are right now. Uh, same with Isaiah Stewart going to Michigan State. Uh, as for Florida, Mike White has done, you know, we can claim a lot of head coaches do a good job. He has done a poor job, you know, kind of slowing the tempo of this team down. They haven't made shots, which is a concern. And, you know, it is a thing that I think eventually self-corrects itself. Uh, but the play of the style of play for Florida has been rather ugly this year. And that's kind of why they have disappointed as for North Carolina, just you have no one beyond Cole Anthony uh, at the guard spot that you know is really all that competent. Uh, you know, Justin Pierce, Christian Keeling have been disappointments. 
Uh, Leaky Black, I expected to kind of take a big step forward. He is not. Armando Baycott, you know, Garrison Brooks, they're good inside, but you need good guard play to win, uh, and they have not. Uh, you wanted to touch on defense this year as to why teams are, you know, really, while the style of play has been, you know, a little bit uglier this season. Yeah, I mean, I think part of great defense is bad offense, and there's been times where teams haven't, uh, you know, run good stuff, and there have been some ugly games in college basketball. And I thought, I think I said it on the first podcast I did after uh, the start of the year, that the early part of college basketball this season, at least, was going to be dominated by how teams could win ugly. Um, and I think when you look at it, there's a there's a great number that I think really puts it into perspective. At this point, right now, there are 30 teams Uh, with defensive adjusted efficiencies on Ken Palm below 90. So that means they're giving up 90 points or less per 100 possessions against an average opponent. Um, Last year, there were seven teams. Um, So there's been obviously growth on the defensive end. I think part of that is the the new wave of teams trying pack line or some kind of pack line defense. More teams are icing ball screens and forcing teams out of the middle. Uh, So when you have two teams like Texas Tech and Virginia last year who really played unique defensive styles that work so well. It's a copycat business. And I think a lot of coaches have, have really latched on to those types of principles. But um, yeah, I think I think that certainly plays into it. But also the bad offense is, is, has been part of it as well. But uh, it's, been, it's been fun to see some of these defenses really uh, grow, but sometimes not always at the, uh, not it has sometimes come at the expense rather uh, of having bad offense, which has been sometimes the most enjoyable thing to watch in the world. The other thing that has kind of contributed to that has been injuries, uh, departures just in general when talking to James Wiseman. You have the Miles Powell concussion. Uh, we'll see if he plays in the near future. Cole Anthony uh, with the knee injury. We'll see if he even returns to school. James Wiseman, Lamonte Turner just announced, you know, he had a shoulder injury and has played his last game for Tennessee. Uh, Jordan Bohannon as well. Uh, you just have g- good players that have taken injuries this season. And it really, to me, it kind of talks more to, you know, dampening the overall talents as well. Uh, you got players that could have come back leaving. Plus you got injuries and, you know, departures of other sorts when talking about Wiseman uh, really, you know, decreases the, amount of offensive talents in the sport yeah i mean it's just another kind of talent drain issue for <laughs> college basketball and uh you know you combine i i think a lot of people have looked for the star problem and tried to define exactly what it's from and i think it's really just a combination of everything it's you know a guy like justin simon leaving early or a guy like brandon randolph leaving early it's not keeping these you know true you know guys who could develop into stars like a, like a daniel gafford um like a jordan pool and then it's kind of the one-and-done types, like a Cole Anthony getting hurt, LaMelo Ball going overseas, RJ Hampton going overseas, Wiseman playing three games and then bowing out in spectacular fashion. You know, uh, all of these things kind of add together to this star problem in, in college basketball. But, uh, you know, it's it's never fun, just as like a guy who enjoys watching good basketball, to not get to see Miles Powell when you turn on Seton Hall, not get to turn on Lamonte Turner when you turn on Tennessee. So, um Best wishes to those guys recover soon, particularly Powell, who will be back. Does not look like Turner will be. Yeah, Turner, I think he announced he was definitely done for the season. Uh, the one thing, you know, going for this season has been the return of the season or the center. Uh, you mentioned this earlier in the notes. Uh, it's kind of been fun to watch the, you know, overall change of styles uh, this year as compared to you know, with teams in the past. Yeah, I think it's, again, these these larger trends, you know, teams playing more pack line, teams not having as much shooting, but um, there have been a lot of really good centers this year just in terms of newcomers in particular, you know, Vernon Carey, uh, Onyeka Okongwu, uh, Isaiah Stewart, who I watched in Diamond Head and was just so impressed by his ability to uh, just – be a workhorse around the rim and get and just finds the way to the basketball every every time it's near him. Uh, and he's a guy that I've never heard a bad word about his motor. Uh, and for a top recruit, I think that's kind of says everything about who he is. And then and then kind of the growth of a guy like a, a Luka Garza, 
a guy like uh, Yudoka Azabuke who's continued to uh, develop Philip Petrusev. So uh, if you look up and down the nation's best teams right now, most of them have great centers. Uh, and I think that's kind of it's kind of a throwback time right now in college basketball. And that, that's not to say that these guys are all throwback players. Like Okongwu is more of a, a traditional center, but a guy like Weston can now pop out and hit a three. Uh, Stewart has plenty of face-up game. Gars is a, a shooter for sure. Uh, so it's not just, oh, everyone's throwing it down to the post and throwing up skyhooks, but uh, there's plenty of there's plenty of variety at the center spot, which has been enjoyable to watch as well. Yeah, centers have been enjoyable this year. Uh, and the one thing about centers, they can impact the game, you know, both offensively and defensively. Uh, you got a guy like Azabuke, uh, carry inside, you know, can just deny any, you know, shot you throw that way. Uh, Petrosev as well, you mentioned him. Uh, he's really a talented big man. Uh, you know, the center has been one of the, you know, more interesting trends this season. Uh, and, you know, usually with all American teams, you get like two or three centers thrown into the equation just, you know, for the heck of it. You might have like five or six centers on, you know, the three teams of the all Americans this year. Uh, the other thing, you know, we kind of mentioned with storylines, there's no dominant team in the sport this year uh, but the bubble is insanely good i was doing some bracketology earlier and you know i think it was christmas eve i was doing it and there's some teams with good resumes that i have you know kind of on the bubble there's some teams that you know you take florida for example uh iowa state even vcu is a team you know i have out of the projected field right now and it's not because they're not good. It's just because there are a lot of teams that picked up some really quality wins this season. Uh, the bubble is back to being uh, really good. And that's kind of a storyline I w- wanted to touch on here today. Yeah, I think that's, you know, part of that, again, is is the weakness of the top where it's a lot easier to steal some of these quality wins. But yeah, it's definitely something I've noticed is, is that the kind of, 35 to 75 in the nation, if you were kind of ranking out in the top 100 or something like that, is a little bit stronger uh, than it's been in the past. And I think that's going to make for a lot of fun conference races because you got the Big East, for instance. The Big East, every single team can beat everyone on every, any given night. Every single team could make a run uh, and, and, and make the NCAA tournament. Providence is the longest road, but they are certainly not out of things yet. The Pac-12 has eight really good teams. The ACC is not as deep as it's been, but uh, has some quality in the middle as well, or maybe not quality, but parity at least. Uh, the Big Ten has tons of parity in the middle of its league, Big 12 same way. So when you have just so many leagues where um, the gap between 4 and 8, 4 and 10 is not very much, I think it just ma- it just makes for a ton of really close conference games, and uh, it's going to be a really fun uh, January and February if that's the case. Yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of the Big East this year personally myself. I think the winner could go 12 and five and win the league outright. It it is that close uh, just between that league. Uh, ACC is down. Big Ten is you know doing really well this year as well. Uh, they have the potential to get maybe eight teams into the field this year. Uh, it should be fun conference race. Uh, one team that will not be uh, having to play too many close games in conference play will be Liberty. Uh, they have a big game against LSU. If they win, they will be heavy, heavily favored in every game going forward. Uh, you wanted to touch on Liberty here? Yeah, I just think it's not being discussed enough how good, how, how much of a chance Liberty has to go undefeated. Like, they have to beat an LSU team who has gotten blown out by ETSU, struggled at times this season. So, I mean, this is this is a, you know, bubble-type team in LSU. And if Liberty can beat one bubble team, they will be favored by double digits in virtually every game they play the rest of the season. And, like, again, that's not that's not to say they do it, but, you know, this is, this is a, a, a very real storyline co- comparable to Murray State several years ago with Isaiah Canaan. Uh, somewhat comparable, I guess, to Wichita State. I don't think Liberty's as good as 
that Wichita State team. But, you know, we are very close to having a Liberty team that will go undefeated or at least go something ridiculous like 32-1 and one or 31-2 and two in the regular season. And so um, I think it's a story that's not necessarily being touched on enough nationally. Obviously, we have the, uh, the three unbeatens left, but uh, Liberty has a very real path to an undefeated season, and that doesn't happen every day. Yeah, I think the thing with Liberty, obviously they can go undefeated, but what that creates is kind of a storyline in itself. Uh, you got the seeding impacts, you've got, you know, the undefeated, can they go undefeated and make the Final Four or something like that, which I do think their ceiling's uh, pretty limited. But if you do play as like a four or five seed in the NCAA tournament, depending what the committee does uh, with them, you know, I assume they'll probably be a top 15, top 10 team uh, in the net come Selection Sunday. Uh, it will be just, you know, the spec- spectacle of Liberty will be something interesting to watch. Yeah, and, and then you add in kind of the controversy that uh, some bring in with the the kind of polarizing brand that Liberty is, and so it would be it would be a lot of a lot of different things to monitor if Liberty winds up being undefeated. But yeah, if if you I think the goal whenever you're a mid major trying to get a ridiculously high seed is to avoid from seven to ten because if you can avoid from seven to ten, then you can avoid a one and a two seed, and that gives you a real path to the Sweet Sixteen. And I think. That's the goal for Liberty. And if they get to 31 and two or 32 and one, then the six t- six seed or better starts to come into play. But you're the yeah. bracketologist, so I'll leave that one to you. I, I think there's a very real shot they end up with like a four or five seed this year, which would be uh, obviously best case scenario for making a deep run uh, as a mid-major team. Uh, you know, a seven seed you mentioned. You know, I'm kind of comparing it to Walford last year. They had they had an incredible regular season and then they play Kentucky without PJ Washington. And just even though neither team played well, Kentucky ekes out a win there. Uh, it's just so hard to beat these one and two seeds as a mid-major program. Uh, so being a four or five seed would definitely be a huge advantage for them. Uh, moving forward, we're going to get into some of the conference winners, uh, go conference by conference give who we think will win each conference. Uh, Kevin's obviously the mid-major expert, uh, so his opinion is the correct opinion. Uh, My opinion is the secondary opinion. I'll go first with the American East. I have Vermont. Uh, Anthony Lamb is back. He's playing spectacular. Steph Smith's played pretty good. they're eight and five this season, kind of a little bit disappointing, not going to get in at large like some people were kind of hoping. Uh, but Vermont still, I think, is the class of the American East. Yeah, 100% agree with you there. Um, I think some people kind of overrated the talent level, uh, thought that Daniel Giddens would be a bit more of a contributor than he is. I mean, he's average, I mean, he's, he's impactful in March because. You know, he's big and can deal with the size of, of a high major team. But the fact that Daniel Giddens, a former five-star kid, is averaging four and five in the A-East is kind of interesting to me. But Vermont's the class of this league. They'll win it just like they have every year since I started this blog. Uh, except the one year when UMBC Right. Won. I mean, they won the league. They just lost the conference tournament. They'll win the league. I, I mean, I'm not going to take any bets on the conference tournament. I think Vermont at home will win the league tournament. But obviously they could lose the conference tournament, sure. Yeah. Uh, moving forward, we have the Atlantic 10. Uh, I'm rolling with Dayton. Uh, they've been 10 and 2. Haven't gotten that signature win uh, that you would classify. You know, St. Mary's people aren't classifying as a signature win. Uh, they kind of lost that Colorado game late, uh, missed close out there, uh, could beat Kansas, but still Dayton has looked incredibly good. I think the clear favorite in the Atlantic 10. Yeah, I mean, they, they look a little bit better than anybody else, I think. Um, especially, you know, they're just so so talented on offense, and they run such good stuff because they space you out, and they have, you know, terrific ball handling, and then obviously an NBA guy in Obi Toppin. So I think they're just a bit better than VCU right now. I'm not writing off VCU yet. Uh, they pretty much won all the games they should have, lost all the games they should have so far. Um, but I, I do like Dayton here as well. Yeah, Atlanta has been... You know, better than I thought 
coming into the season, even despite Davidson kind of disappointing, which is uh, always good when that league is doing well. Uh, moving forward to the ACC, I'm rolling with Duke to win the league. Uh, they haven't won since 2010. I think they break the curse this year. Uh, the real only competition is Louisville. I think they get, just win enough games to win the uh, regular season title. Uh, so I'm rolling with Duke. I think when you consider a race like this, it's it's mostly about who do you trust to win regular season games night in and night out. And I think I trust Louisville with their experience just a little bit more than I trust Duke right now. I think Duke still kind of has some some things to figure out. I've been impressed with how they've responded to adversity against Stephen F. Austin. Joey Baker's given them some really good minutes lately. And uh, Vernon, Canner, Vernon Carey excuse me, has been terrific. Uh, but to me, it's Louisville. Uh, they have a star in Jordan Wara. Um, I think they're starting to get more from, from that, you know, five through eight in their rotation as Samuel Williamson continues to uh, improve. He will continue to make an impact on this team. I think Louisville finds a way uh, to win the conference. Moving forward to the American, I'm going with Wichita State to win that league. Uh, they've looked good, 10-1 and one thus far. The only loss coming to West Virginia. They've beaten, you know, a not great, but decent South Carolina team. One at Oklahoma State, beat Oklahoma uh, and BCU. I think Wichita State has done uh, the most this year as a team. Uh, and they're they're really just solid. You know, Eric Stevens, Tyson NTNT, uh, Ikeniki down low has been good. Uh, just a lot of solid players, uh, much like the team a few years ago, I believe 2017, uh, kind of compared to that team. So I like Wichita State to win the American. I think I'm going to roll Memphis here. Um, thought about Houston after the way they played in Diamond Head. But to me, I'm just still on this Memphis train. I mean, they, they really defend. Penny Hardaway has gotten them to buy into all of their roles, right? They're so young and they've got so many different pieces trying to fit together. And he's really gotten an incredible buy-in. I think without James Wiseman, it becomes even more of an us-against-the-world mentality. I don't think that loss hurts them quite as much as people think because uh, it allows, again, guys to settle into roles and, and figure out who they are. Uh, they might be one shot maker short, but they can defend when they want to at a really, really high level. They've shown they could score at a high level in games against Ole Miss and NC State earlier in the year. Again, their only loss this, this season is is against a very, very good Oregon team in, most, in what was basically a road game. So uh, I like this Memphis team. I think they're the most talented team in this conference, and they win this conference. Going forward, we got the Big 12 here. Uh, I'm rolling with Kansas. Just think talent-wise, they're better than every other team in the league. Uh, your pick for the Big 12? I'm very tempted to pick Baylor, but I think I will begrudgingly roll with Kansas here uh, as well. Again, just not. I don't know how many teams have two better players than Dotson and Azubuke. I think that's enough. Um, but I really, really do like this Baylor team. They're balanced. Uh, they have great guards. They have biggest who understand their role. They're well coached. I think uh, Baylor is, is a team that's you know, pretty clearly a top five to seven team in the country right now. And they will give a very strong test to Kansas. Would you say Dotson and Nazabuke are the two best players in that league? Uh, I think it's maybe those two and Halliburton. Yeah, I mean, th th those two, you got those two to consider. Halliburton, uh, Oscar Shibwe has been so kind of efficient. I mean, he's averaging 12 and 9 in 22 minutes. Um, and then, I mean, Butler has been terrific for Baylor as well. But I think, uh, yeah, I would say Halliburton's probably a little bit better than Dotson right now. But those are two of the top three guys, yeah. Okay, moving forward, we got the Big East. Uh, I'm going to go with DePaul, just King. I'm going with Villanova. Oh. Uh, disappointing. Everyone finishes 9-9, though, in the league, so everyone wins. That was fun, man. I mean, I, I, I've enjoyed the DePaul, DePaul experience. They run me a lot of Northwestern a couple years ago when they made the NCAA tournament, just kind of a magical team that finds a way to make runs. Um, they're not my pick. Um, I'm debating between uh, Villanova and Butler. I think I'm going to roll with Villanova. I'm just not sure how much this Butler thing can, how much longer this can last. I know they're, they're, they're so much better than they were last year. They have great chemistry. I'm just not sure the talent level is high enough to truly win this conference. I know 
you know, 13, 12 to 13 conference wins might really win it. But I think I have to go with Villanova, even though Butler has continued to impress me every time I watch them. Yeah, I'm, I'm rolling with Villanova as well. Uh, moving forward, we got the Big Sky. I'm rolling with Sacramento State. They've been seven and two this year, uh, kind of flying under the radar. Only losses are to uh, Colorado and Santa Clara here. Uh, their defense has been really well, so I'm rolling with uh, Sacramento State. Yeah, I'm not sure they're good enough on offense to to pull it off. I'm going to take Eastern Washington, who's kind of the opposite of Sacramento State. There, fantastic on offense and. Uh, you won't find many mid-major trios better than Jacob Davison, Kim Aiken, and Mason Peeling. Those guys can really, really play. So, uh, like them, also like Northern Colorado in that league. Uh, but it, it is certainly impressive to see what Sac State has, got, has done in a year with little to no expectations. I think I picked them 11th or 12th out of 12 in that league. Moving forward to the back, Big South, I'm rolling with Radford. Uh, they're four and seven on the season, but they've beaten uh, your Northwestern oh. Wildcats as Don't well. Don't remind me. Uh, I think they're probably the class of the league. Uh, I just don't really see an, another team that can win the league. Uh, Carlick Jones is a really good player, uh, so I'm rolling with Radford. I mean, I, I can't say I've watched a ton of Big South basketball this year. I've watched a little bit of Winthrop, some Radford, uh, a little bit of UNC Asheville as well. And uh, to me, I'm going to roll with my preseason pick. That's Winthrop. You know, they, they had a great win, kind of signature type win on the road at St. Mary's. They played a really good schedule and, and played a bunch of close mid-major games that will prepare. And playing a team like ETSU, playing Coastal Carolina, playing Furman. Those games pay off down the stretch. And uh, again, this is a team that's kind of gelling together a lot of new parts. DJ Burns, the Tennessee transfer. Uh, Chandler Vaudrin, the D2 transfer from Walsh, is kind of a do-everything guy. Hunter Hale, another D2 transfer. Uh, so they've had a bunch of guys kind of work into roles, and I think that 6-7 and seven record is a bit um, bit misleading because of uh, the schedule they've played. So I like Winthrop here. Going forward, Big Ten here. I'm rolling with Ohio State. Uh they're game behind already because league play started, but they've already beat North Carolina, Penn State, and Villanova by 25-plus, uh, beat Kentucky the other day. We'll see if this run continues, but Ohio State has certainly looked like the best team in the league. Yeah, I'm going to pick Northwestern. I'm just kidding. No, I'm picking Ohio State. I mean, they're the best team in the league. Um, you know, they've been so so dominant whenever they've played everyone except Minnesota and that random loss. Um, you know, Weston is as good a big as there is in college basketball. They have multiple ball handlers. They have guys who defend. They have guys who understand their role. They have that kind of perfect mesh between youth and experience and talent level uh, that you're looking for in a Final Four type team. They're a top three team in the country for me and the best team in this conference. Moving forward, Big West. I'm going to roll with UC Santa Barbara, the Gauchos. Uh, they've looked really good this year. Uh, Ja'Cory McLaughlin uh, is a stud he's really good i'm gonna take them over uc irvine yeah i picked uc irvine preseason because i got burned by ucsb last year betting against uh russell turner and the job he does but i'm on the uh i'm on the gaucho bandwagon as well uh it seems like they've really come together nicely um you know they they have again another team that, that has loaded up on guys who can really handle the basketball and then uh a terrific big down low and amadou sow who uh it, is a guy that I don't think gets enough respect nationally as one of the better major centers in the country, averaging 14 and set 14 and eight shooting the ball really, really well. Uh, only a sophomore. He's going to be fun to watch develop over his career. So uh, I'll roll with UCSB as well. Then we got the colonial, one of the more, you know, interesting league races this year. It seems like a lot of teams can win it. I'm going to roll with Delaware. They've been the best team thus far this season. Nate Darling, the UAB transfer has been a stud. Uh, Ryan Allen, Justin Mutz are really good players alongside him. Uh, I'm going to stick with the Blue Hens. Is that the right mascot for them? Yes, indeed, the Blue Hens. And, and they had Dylan Painter. They just got him back uh, at the semester break. So uh, the Villanova transfer should help that Delaware team uh, push them potentially over the top. Uh, the team I like here is still College Charleston, and that's because they have, to me, the best player in this conference, and Grant Riller one of the best mid-major players in the country, and sometimes you can even ditch that mid-major label because he is fantastic. He's so efficient getting downhill, and he's really struggled to shoot the ball this year. He's only shooting 26% from the three. That's not going to continue. 
career-wise, I think he's at 35%. Shot 33 last year, but 40% the year before. So 26 would be quite the regression. I don't see that continuing. Um, they have, you know, guys who understand their roles. They have the best coach in the conference, in my mind, in Earl Grant, who uh, will be a, be a high major coach sooner rather than later, I think. Uh, to me, I just trust this team a little bit more than the rest of this conference. But it's going to be a really fun race. Again, you know, Charleston, Delaware, Hofstra's competitive. James Madison's got talent. Uh, Northeastern has Jordan Rowland, who's terrific. William & Mary has Nathan Knight and a, and a good young coach in Dane Fisher. So uh, that league is, is on the way to being a really, really fun race. That's a league that you could tell me, like, any one of those top kind of six-ish teams wins the league. I wouldn't be surprised come March. Uh, moving forward, Conference USA, I'm rolling with UTEP. Uh, they've got Bryson Williams, who's been fantastic this year. Got a couple high major transfers. Caden uh, Archie, former T- TCU player, Jordan Lathan, uh, Daryl Edwards. So I'm rolling with UTEP to win the league. Uh, your pick for that one? Yeah, I, I really go back and forth because there's so much depth in this league, kind of top to bottom, and I don't really see an elite level team. UTEP look good but not great at Diamond Head. They go one and two. Could have won any of their games. Could have lost any of them. Uh, I will, I think, roll with this team. I thought Caden Archie really started to find his stride in conference play, um, which is big. You know, he's a, a former top recruit, a guy who can really impact the game. Uh, they're just not as deep as I thought they'd be, right? I thought that a guy like Jordan Lathan would take the step forward. He hasn't. FAO DG struggled at times. Anthony Tark has not been mo- much of a contributor. Eric Vila has been, you know, playing a lot of minutes, kind of empty minutes. They're not really contributing much, so. They need to be deeper than they have been, and hopefully some of these talented transfers can get it together. I think UTEP is still probably the best team talent-wise in the conference, though, especially with Charles Bassey out of Western Kentucky. Yeah, the Bassey injury can add that one into the injuries that have kind of dampened the talent pool uh, this season. I think if Bassey were there, I'd probably pick Western Kentucky, but without him, uh, I'll take UTEP to win the league. Moving on to the Horizon League, uh, I'm picking Wright State. They've been the best team this year from the conference. Uh, no reason to sway away from that pick. Uh, your pick for that league? Yeah, it's a, that's a that's a solid pick. I'm, I'm going to roll with Wright State as well. Another another league that I haven't gotten around to a ton. I watched a little bit of Northern Kentucky to see how Darren Horn's been doing, and I like that club as well. Dantes Walton's terrific, but uh, yeah, I think I think Wright State is probably the best team in that league. Um, you know, Wampler and Loud and Love are, are veterans, guys who understand the, the landscape and have been here a long time. And then to add a freshman like Tanner Holden, who's been so good, averaging 11 and 7, really is a game changer type thing for, for this team. And, you know, they've got veterans. They've got a guy like Jordan Ash who can come in and be athletic and defend off out of Northwestern, a grad transfer. Um, gotten, you know, getting him in helped that defense. So, uh, like this Wright State club, I think they win this league. Okay, moving on to the Ivy League. I'm rolling with Harvard to win the league. I just think they have the talent gap. They also have the league championship game on their home court, I believe. Uh, Bryce Aiken has been a stud this year. Uh, Noah Kirkwood has kind of been that secondary score. Yale, I think, could challenge them as could Penn, but I'm rolling with Harvard. Yeah, I've watched a good ma- good amount of both, all, all three of those teams, and let me tell you, I'm not sure there's a mid-major with three teams as good as all of them. You've kind of got this weird dynamic where Penn has all these great wins with some weird losses. Harvard has all the talent in the world but hasn't always lived up to it and has had the injuries. And then Yale has quietly been the best of all of them. And you know, Yale's a team that will have a legit at-large claim if they can beat North Carolina on Monday at 1230. They might even have one without that win. Uh, I'm rolling with them. I just think uh, with their front court, with Paul Atkinson um, and Jordan Bruner, uh, it's kind of the perfect mesh of athleticism and, and defense with Bruner, who can also really pass the ball, and then a skilled post scorer and Paul Atkinson, uh, also a terrific guard, Nazar Swain. So uh, really, really, really like this Yale team. I think that's a team that if you're a, you're a 12 or a 13 seed, you're looking for one of those 12 or 13 seeds to pull an upset. Uh, that That's the team right there. Going forward, uh, we have the MAC. Uh, I'm rolling with Sienna. You're Sienna yes, Saints. Sir. Uh, Jalen Pickett, probably the best player in the league. Elijah Burns has been pretty good this year. I haven't watched a whole lot of Sienna, but I'm picking them to win the league. Ryder always chokes. Uh, Iona, I don't think is that good, so give me the Saints. 
Yeah, I mean, if you're asking me who's going to win the regular season, I think it's Ryder just because of uh, how athletic they are and, and and just they have the most talent in the league flat out. But conference tournament time, it's hard to bet against Tim Kloos. Hopefully he can be there with this Iona team. He's been out with a medical issue uh, since the start of the season. Sienna's right there as well. Uh, I'm going to abstain from an official pick uh, for fear of being called biased, but I like my Saints there. Um I like, you know, the front court has been terrific for Siena with Manny Camper uh, and Elijah Burns uh, up front. Camper, a top five rebounder in the country, and then two really good guards in Don Carey uh, and Jalen Pickett. If they can find a fifth guy, whether that's Jordan King, a freshman, uh, Gary Harris, a freshman, a very athletic kid, um, and then Matt High in the Illinois State um, grad transfer, he's been kind of a glue guy. Uh, they can find a fifth guy to really step in and, and, and be that fifth banana. Uh, they will be in great, great shape. But I think Sienna's in the mix, Iona, uh, and and then don't sleep on a Quinnipiac team that is loaded on offense. Moving forward, we have the MAC just the, with 1A. I'm rolling with Bowling Green, uh, Justin Turner, Dylan Fry. It's hard to bet against that duo. Uh, the league, I think, is you know really competitive without Buffalo kind of running away with it like it has in the past couple of years. Uh, I'll take Bowling Green to win that league. Yeah, it helps that a lot of uh, MAC teams have, have played some bye games or played some non-D1 teams, uh, but there's not a single team under 500 as we record right now. Uh, my pick is Akron. Uh, really like them. I mean, they, they have a great resume. I mean, they're only lost their Liberty, Louisville, West, West Virginia, all you know, very excusable losses. They're better on offense than they were last season. Uh, they have Jarius Williams, who's uh, the former Dayton transfer, who is very, very, very talented and Tyler Cheese as well. So they're, they're deep, they're athletic, and uh, John Gross has done a nice job accumulating talent with this roster. So, yeah, give me uh, give me Akron here in the uh, the Mid-American Conference. Now we go to the MEAC, uh, North Carolina Central. They win it every year. I'm going to pick them to win it this year. Uh, Bethune-Cookman could be interesting, but I'll take North Carolina Central. Yep, Bethune-Cookman is in the mix. I also like NC Central. I'll toss in another one, just kind of throwing darts at the wall here. Give me Toppin State. Um, they loaded up on some transfers who have been really good for them, and they won three bye games earlier in this year. Um, I believe they hadn't won a non-con game since two, against the D1 team since, like, 2015. Uh, and they turn around, they beat East Carolina, they beat Cornell, uh, they beat Loyola Chicago in the non-con, and James Madison as well. So um, much respect to Juan Dixon, who's doing a nice job. Uh, they have Kamar McKnight, uh, Tennessee Strait transfer, Dewan Clayton, who's a guy that they've developed over four years. Then uh, the Robinson twins from Quinnipiac, Kobe Thomas, uh, troubled kid, but really talented out of Robert Morris. So the transfers have really helped this team and uh, really like this group for Coppin State. I'll pick them in the MEAC. Okay, next we got the Missouri Valley. Uh, they're 11, or uh, Northern Iowa's 11 and 1. I'm taking them to win the league. Uh, they're only lost. Is to West Virginia kind of a game they gave away late? Robbed us of the uh, Wichita State-Northern Iowa rematch. Uh, you know, they beat in South Carolina, beat in Colorado. Uh, Grand Canyon's not good, but still to win on the road by 24 is pretty good. Uh, they get got a good duo, A.J. Green, Trey Burhow. I'm going with the Panthers to win the league and rather handily. Uh, assume you're probably picking Northern Iowa. Yeah, you kind of have to at this point with the way they have played. I just don't, I just don't see a better option. Uh, I think this league's gonna be really tough, top to bottom. I think there's seven or eight teams that can really beat you any given night. But to me, like you mentioned, it they have such a good core. They're well coached. They really understand how to play defense, and uh, they'll be a team if they can kind of avoid the bad losses in non-con or in conference play. It'll depend on where some of these Valley teams wind up in the net. Um, but if they can keep some of those losses in the Quadrant 2 range, they'll have a legit at-large case, even if they can't pull it off in Arch Madness. Or they can go 18-0 and in the league and guarantee themselves a spot. Fair enough. Uh, I'm rolling with San Diego State to win the Mountain West, uh, moving to the Mountain West here. Uh, they've beaten Utah. They've beaten Iowa. They've beaten Creighton. Uh, all the teams you could want to beat. BYU as well. Uh, you know, you got Malachi Flynn. Elite score, Yanni Wetzel, uh, Matt Mitchell, KJ Fagan alongside them. This is just a really good team. I think runs away with the Mountain West this year. Uh, Utah State, I think, probably gets an at-large bid. 
but San Diego State, I think, is the class of the league. Yeah, I, I agree with you there 100%. Uh, and I think it's another great example of if you want to play a really fun style of basketball and win a heck of a lot of basketball games, you got to build with multiple ball handlers. you got to build with shooters. And then you need a really good big, and that's how they built it. You know, Malachi Flynn is the heart and soul of this group, a, a, a talented transfer. But, you know, you have guys like Matt Mitchell who are multi-positional, another guy who's very multi-positional, and Jordan Shackle, uh, great glue guy type and Fegan. They can go bigger and play Wetzel with Nathan Mensa. They can go smaller uh, and, and play only one at a time. I really like the versatility with this roster, uh, and I'm a big fan of the San Diego State Club. I think they win this league. Moving forward to the – NEC. I'm rolling with St. Francis, uh, Pennsylvania this year. Uh, they have that nice William and Mary win. Uh, this is a solid team, you know, just a good group of players. Uh, Keith Braxton, Isaiah Blackman, a pretty good duo. I'm rolling with them to win the league. Although I do think Mary Mac might be the best team in the league. Yeah, my fi- my favorite club in, in this conference is, is Bryant. Uh, they're eight and four on the year. Um, they lost an overtime game. They lost two games by two, including the Rutgers. They still have Maryland coming up. But, you know, this is a team in year two for Jared Grasso uh, that is very talented. They have great freshmen. They have a great rim protector at the back end in Hal Elysius, uh, the Juco kid from New Mexico Junior College, who uh, at six foot seven is blocking over three shots a game in 20 min- and less than 20 minutes a night. They have great guards like Adam Grant and uh, Michael Green, Benson Lynn. Uh, Charles Pride as well. So uh, really, really impressed with this group in year two for Jared Grasso. I think they get to the NCAA tournament. Jared Grasso's name quickly becomes a hot name in the Northeast. Okay, moving forward to the Ohio Valley. I'm picking Belmont to win the league. Uh, Nate Muzinski down low. Uh, Adam Kunkel, first year under Casey Alexander. I think they get it done in the league. Uh, but that should be an interesting league race throughout the season. Uh, Murray State, Austin P. Uh, Tennessee State, they're all really good this season. Uh, it should be a fun tr- season to watch and tournament uh, to watch play out this season. Uh, but give, give me Belmont. Yeah, I haven't watched as much Belmont as I would have liked to so far, but it's unbelievable kind of the machine that they are. And A guy like Kunkel can just kind of jump out of nowhere and have average 18 a game. Uh, it's just kind of the program that they've built. I think Murray State is my pick. Um you know, Tevin Brown, they're leading the way. I think they're still going to continue to get better as conference play rolls on as they really find their stride in terms of a, a, a ball handling. Chico Carter uh, continues to kind of progress with this team, and I think as he does, this team will progress as well. So uh, really like this really like this Murray State team. I do think they find a way. Moving forward to the Pac-12, uh, the Pac-12 has been better this year. I think Oregon has a real case to be one, a one or two seed this year. I think Oregon wins the league uh, rather handily. I do think that the competitiveness of the league is much better, but I don't think there's really that team that can really challenge the Ducks at the top. Yeah, I would agree, uh, especially as in Feli Dante gets eligible, gets um, a little bit more accustomed with college basketball life. I think he will have a terrific, terrific, uh, terrific season in conference play. I'm just not sure anyone can quite deal with him. I like this Washington team. I like some of the other clubs in that middle tier, but to me, Oregon stands on its own. This is the best team in the conference. Yeah, the Pac-12 has been you know, really good. I think it's in position to get five or six bids this year. Uh, I guess depending kind of on what happens in Vegas. Uh, but I do think Oregon is in a tier by themselves when it comes to the Pac-12. Moving on to the Patriot League, I'm rolling with Colgate to win. Uh, Jordan Burns, uh, Ivan, Ivan Repolis Ivanowskis, that's his name. I think Colgate's the class of the league. I think they win it uh, rather comfortably. Uh, your pick to win the Patriot League. I'm going to roll with Loyola, Maryland. Um, you know, we're still waiting to see when and if we'll see Santi Aldama uh, as he deals with any injury and tries to recover from that. But they've been impressive even without him. Andrew Costeca is terrific and uh, a good freshman. And Cam Spencer, the brother of Pat Spencer, who's playing for Northwestern now as the grad transfer 
uh, from Loyola, Maryland, where he was a lacrosse player. You know, Golden DK continues to improve as a as a young front court piece for them. Uh, for them to be seven and four without Aldama is very impressive. They've done a nice job. They've won four in a row uh, as we roll into this podcast. And like I said, I only think they'll get better if they can find a way to get Santi Aldama back on the floor soon. So uh, hoping we do get to see him because he will be as good a mid-major player as there is in the country if eligible and healthy. Uh, but regardless, I think they have a real, real shot to win this league. Moving forward to the SEC, the conference as a whole has been down. I think Auburn's the only team really that has kind of exceeded expectations from what they were preseason. Maybe you can add Vanderbilt into that mix just because they had no preseason expectations. Uh, Texas A&M has been terrible. I'll roll with Kentucky to win the league. I think they're starting to trend around. They look decent in the Ohio State game. Give me the Wildcats in that one. Yeah, I'm going to take Auburn just because I feel like no one else is. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not like the, the biggest Auburn fan in the world right now, but I do think for a team that is undefeated this late in the year that his, you know, every statistical indicator suggests they should be really, really good. Uh, you know, with, with Dowdy, with Okora, with McCormick, and, you know, even guys like Anthony McLemore who continue to, um, you know, be, you know, stars in their role, I think is the best way of defining it. I think this Auburn team just, just fits together, and they're a team like Ohio State I mentioned before that has the great mix between the youthful talent and the older experience that you need uh, to win college basketball today. So I'm going to take Auburn, in it, especially with how Kentucky has struggled to shoot the ball. Yeah, that the SEC has been pretty bad this year. I think there was a lot of high expectations about the league just as a whole. Uh, Florida's disappointed. Arkansas has been a, you know, surprise but right now looking at the standings georgia is in third place and they haven't looked all that good either this year uh just the sec as a whole i don't think has been all that good uh moving on uh hashtag two bids socon moving on to that league i'm gonna take unc greensboro to win the league uh it should be a fun league race you got greensboro you got east tennessee state you got Furman. All those teams, I think, have a legitimate shot. Wofford as well. Uh, but I'm rolling with UNCG. Isaiah Miller is a stud. Uh, just a really good core players uh, around him. Give me the Spartans. Yeah, I mean, you 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 mentioned your two-bit SoCon, and I raised you three-bit SoCon. Uh, why not, folks? It, it would be fun. Uh, it won't happen, uh, but I do really like this league as a whole. It's going to be fun to watch. And my pick's ETSU. Uh, just a team that has ridiculous depth. You know, there's not many teams that their you know seventh, eighth, ninth man are as good as ETSU's, and uh, that really matters when you play the style of defense that Steve Forbes wants to play. They've got a really good big in, in, in Jerome Rodriguez. Uh, they've got guards, so many really good guards, and um, dominated LSU. Really, really impressed in that game. Um, I think they 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 find a way to win this league. Their only two losses are North Dakota State on the road in a one-off road trip to North Dakota State. Well, I guess it's not a one-off. They probably flew from Charleston, South Carolina, to Fargo, which, when you're a mid-major and you're not chartering, is not fun travel. They lost that game. They lost to Kansas. Those are the only two losses. I really, really like the CTSU team. Yeah, we could easily see two bids. I think East Tennessee State if or UNC Greensboro, either of those teams you know, go like 16-2 in league play or something like that. I do think they have... One of those teams does have a shot at an at-large bid come March. Uh, moving on to the Southland Conference, I'm going with Stephen F. Austin. Uh, they have the Duke win, which is most notably, but this is a really good team this season. Uh, Kevon Harris has been good. Kyle Keller is a really good coach, uh, the right fit at that program. Uh, I'm rolling with the Lumberjacks to win that league. Yeah, I feel like you have to at this point. Um, obviously, Duke win, but... Uh, there's just a little bit of magic about this team. Uh, they have a star in Kevon Harris. They have really good role players, guys like Kevin Kensmeal and uh, and Cameron Johnson, both JUCO imports who really impacted things. But when you've got a guy like Nathan Bain who's kind of injected life into the hearts of so many in the Bahamas because of uh, the funds he was able to raise after making uh, that historic layup, you've got Wade Mason on staff who's fighting cancer. Um, 
there's some things that are bigger than basketball with this Stephen F. Austin team, but they're really good. Um, I'll pick them to win the league. I got a question for you. Um, me and Brad talked about it on the podcast. What is Stephen F. Austin's at-large path? Uh, I do think if they go like undefeated in the league, uh, they're certainly in the picture uh, that Duke wins going to play major help to them. Uh, I don't actually know their net ranking right now, but if they can you know win those games by 20 plus points, that will help their efficiency margins. Uh, if they get into the top 40 of the net, uh, they're sitting with like four losses or less. Uh, I do think that Stephen F. Boston should be an at-large caliber team this year. Yeah, I, I think it'll be a tough road. Uh, but if they were to go undefeated, it's a real shot. Yeah, uh, and it's all about having a good record. Uh, you know, kind of the old school days of having, you know, a great RPI and like eight quadrant one wins. I do think that's a little bit out the door uh, just with the new way the net is set up. It's more based on winning games. Uh, I do think there's a bigger shot than there would have been uh, a few years ago, uh, two years ago even. Uh, and that Duke win's going to play a big part for them. So I do think there's a road to it. It's a you know small chance they're just going to have to dominate the league, though. Yeah. Moving, moving on here, we got the uh, SWAC. I'm rolling with Grambling to win the league uh, just because I don't really trust any of these other schools. Uh, Mississippi Valley State still 0-12. Grambling at 6-7, and I think, wins the league. Yeah, it's as good a bet as any. Um, I'm going to take Texas. I'm going to take Prairie View A&M, rather. Uh, again, it's so tough to, to really take anything from these early schedules because all of these teams are playing so many bye games. Um, but I've been impressed with Prairie View. They pushed Texas for, for much of the way. Uh, they pushed Cal on the road. They pushed Arizona State on the road. Uh, they're, they're very well coached, and uh, they have a lot, a lot of athletes across this roster. So uh, to me, Prairie View is the, the class of this conference, I think, them and Texas Southern will battle it out just like they do every year. Uh, but Grambling is another team that definitely is in the mix. And uh, it's just so difficult to, to prognosticate so far because uh, every team is at such a disadvantage financially than on conference. Yeah. Whoever wins that league is going to end up with a 16 seed. I don't really see any other way around that. Moving forward, the Summit League. I'm rolling with North Dakota State. They won it last year. I'll. Stick with the team, rolling it back. Vinny Shahid, uh, Tyson Ward, a good uh, one-two punch. Uh, give me the Bison to win that league. Yeah, I was very in on South Dakota preseason. i am got no reason to jump off that bandwagon just yet. Uh, to have a core like they have, guys like T- Tyler Hagedorn and Stanley Umude, uh, not many teams have a front court like that uh, in mid-major basketball. It's just a lot of versatility that comes with it so um they've struggled a little bit lately uh but i i do like this club i think they are the best team in this conference uh and in in year two uh todd lee gets in the assembly tournament yeah that should be one of the more fun league races you know come march see who gets that at large bid uh moving forward sun belts uh, i'm rolling with georgia state uh they won it last year uh, while they do lose Ron Hunter, I do think that's a pretty big loss long-term. Uh, the talent is there for them to win the league. Corey Allen, Caden Williams, good one-two punch. Just a solid all-around team. They've looked good in non-con play. So I'll roll with them to win the league. Yeah, I mean, it's been a really confusing start to Sunbelt play. Um, you know, Troy randomly beats a really good coastal team. South Alabama starts with two home games and loses both of them. Um, one team I won't sleep on is Appalachian State. I don't think they're quite good enough to win the league, but they start with wins, two two road wins to start non-con play, or not non-con play, excuse me, conference play, uh, and they have a great new coach in uh, Dustin Kearns. But to me, uh, the best team here is Coastal Carolina. I just love their versatility. Uh, they, have, they have a great, great shooter in Keyshawn Bruton, who's like a elite six-man type. Uh, and then tons of guards, a, a really good point guard in Devontae Jones. Uh, hopefully they can get a Brima Diba healthy. He's like this kind of do-it-all 6'6 kid who I really enjoy watching play. So 
I really like Coastal Carolina. I think they do win this league, but um, tons of teams wouldn't surprise me. Georgia Southern's got a good roster. South Alabama has the best roster in the league. UT Arlington has been disappointing, but they could get there. Um, you know, Arkansas State starts nine and three and two and zero in the league. So this is going to be as balanced a conference as you find in college basketball. Moving forward to the WCC, uh, I think the obvious choice here is St. Mary's. No, we're going with Gonzaga, uh, number one team in the nation. I think they win the league uh, rather handily. I do think BYU and St. Mary's uh, will be tough outs. I think both teams are better than they have been in the past, but give me the Zags. Yeah, I'll hop on that one as well. I mean, there's there's no reason not to pick them at this point. I think they will, you know, the fact that they have a legit shot to go undefeated in this conference with the growth of, you know, BYU, St. Mary's, Pacific, Santa Clara, San Fran, kind of says a lot about where Gonzaga is as a program right now. And well, even as the West Coast Conference seems to catch up, Gonzaga just takes two more steps forward. So uh, I think the, the two through seven kind of part of this league is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And uh, the battle for bids will be really interesting with teams like Santa Clara and St. Mary's and BYU. I think BYU and St. Mary's are in a great position right now, but Gonzaga is a pretty obvious pick right now. Yeah, I think that's probably a three-bid league come March. I think BYU and St. Mary's have both done a uh, good enough job in non-con play to you know, be in perfect position to get at-large bids, even without winning the conference tournament. Uh, last tournament I wanted to discuss here is, the uh, whack. Uh, I'm more with New Mexico State just because no one else has really stepped up. Uh, Grand Canyon's disappointed. Uh, UMKC, I guess, is maybe the second best team. Maybe Seattle is. Uh, Cal Baptist is good, but they're not eligible for the tournament. But give me New Mexico State to win and then bow out early in the first round of the tournament. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. Uh, New Mexico State getting healthy is big. You know, getting AJ Harris back and uh, we saw that with the Mississippi State win. They also had, you know, Jacob Gilliard, who is is very very talented, and they get him uh, into the mix now, uh, or Evan Gilliard rather. Jacob Gilliard plays for Richmond. Uh, I've been told they're not related. I'm not sure if that's true, uh, but you know, adding guys like that really helps this team going forward. And Traveling Queen is super talented, uh, so uh, yeah, New Mexico State is, is the pick here. Um, but a big shout out to Billy Domlin, who's done a great job at UMKC. Took over, you know, pretty much a dumpster fire in the last year of being in the whack. They got a transition to go through, and then he, you know, was just very savvy with the transfer market. Got uh, Javon White from Clemson, who has been well traveled. Got Jasheer Hardnett, another well traveled guy, and uh, that's been enough, along with some development and some really good defense to to get this UMKC team back, you know, at 500 going into non-con play, which is a lot. So, uh, shout out to the Ruse, but I'm picking NMSU. Okay, moving forward here, we're going to go over some weekend game picks. The slate's kind of light. There's not a whole lot of marquee matchups. Uh, so just seven you know, big picture uh, picks that we're going to make. Uh, we're going to start out Louisville at Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, this one is always emotionally charged, and um, you almost feel like you just have to pick against conventional wisdom here, right? Because everyone and their brothers can say Louisville's or is going to say, okay, Louisville is, you know, the better team this year. They're more, they're more, they have the talent. Kentucky can't shoot, um, but at Rupp makes it very, very interesting. I'm going to take Kentucky here. I think they have a one-off shooting day where they hit a bunch of shots. Tyrese Maxey goes nuts, and uh, Kentucky beats the best team in the ACC in Louisville. Yeah, I'm rolling with Kentucky as well. I think home crowd plays a big factor. Uh, just having, you know, playing at home makes a big difference. Uh, I do think Kentucky, at some point, they're going to make shots, I feel. Uh, John Calipari has said, you know, the players are making shots in practice. Uh, I don't know if that's real or not, but I'll trust him as Ward and pick Kentucky to win the game uh, by making shots. Moving forward, Wisconsin at Tennessee. I'm rolling with the balls at home. I do think, you know, kind of that emotional first game without your best or second best player, uh, kind of that's a factor uh, as well as Wisconsin just not being a competent basketball team away from the Cole Center. Uh, so give me Tennessee in that one. Yeah, I mean, this game is 
an absolute mess. And it will be one in the 50s. Uh, I'm not sure who wins it. I think I'm going to reluctantly roll with Wisconsin, given Tennessee literally has nothing in the backcourt. And I think, um, you know, Wisconsin in a grinder type game is comfortable playing that style. Um, and, and getting Micah Potter gives them another big who can, uh, you know, com- commit fouls, if nothing else, and, and really just kind of contribute offensively uh, with a team that is so kind of untalented on the offensive side of the ball. So I think uh, Wisconsin wins this one. I don't really, uh, I hope to watch as little of this as possible because it's going to be not very pretty. Uh, but I do think Wisconsin uh, finds a way on the road. Okay. Uh, Sunday's games now. We got with West Virginia at Ohio State. Uh, no reason to pick against the Buckeyes in this one. Uh, give me the to win at home against a you know good West Virginia team, but Ohio State I think is class better than West Virginia. Yeah, I think I think this would be an interesting matchup because you'll get to see uh, one how Ohio State and, and specifically DJ Carden uh, deals with the ball pressure that West Virginia will bring, and then the other thing is how does Ohio State deal with facing a front court that isn't. Um, isn't afraid of them, right? Derek Culver and and uh, obviously um, Jordan Sh- or Oscar Shebway as well are, are not going to be afraid of going up and battling in the post with with Wesson and Kyle Young and, and those guys. I think Ohio State wins this game, but there's a lot of interesting matchup type things to watch, uh, even if Ohio State wins this one comfortably. Yeah, I think you know you might see Caleb Wesson try to stretch the floor. Uh, West Virginia is not one that best three-point defensive teams. Uh, That might be something to watch. Uh, Moving forward, uh, we're going to skip Liberty at LSU, come back to it later. Uh, We're going to go Kansas at Stanford. I think Kansas gets back on track after losing to Villanova, a tough one on the road. I think they win this one. Uh, It should be a close, fun matchup, but give me the Jayhawks to win on the road. Yeah, this is a great opportunity for Stanford. Uh, to, to really make a statement uh, and, and with the way that Tyrell Terry and Spencer Jones have played. I won't count them out, and I think Kansas having to go on the road, we know how difficult that is, but I think they're a class better talent-wise. To me, the Stanford team isn't really top 25 level, and uh, I think Kansas has just enough to, to find a way, and I think Bill Self is still a lot better than Jared Haas in terms of an in-game coach. So uh, give me Kansas here. Uh, I know I'll be rooting for the upset, but realistically, I think the Jayhawks can find a way. Yeah, major uh, coaching advantage for Kansas in that department. Uh, Moving forward, Arkansas will play at Indiana. Uh, I'm going to take the Hoosiers at home. Arkansas, they won that Georgia Tech game kind of flukely, uh, scoring three points in uh, the five minutes of play. Uh, Lost at Western Kentucky, so give me Indiana at home. I'm not a huge fan of Indiana, but I do think the home team serves uh, serves them well, uh, and they win. Somewhat blind trust in Eric Musselman has served me quite well in the last three to four years, and I have no reason not to continue with that. I think um, the defensive intensity that Arkansas brings will be a real challenge for Indiana. Uh, and, and their guards and, and, and not having anything easy come to them. Uh, and then they have an eraser in the back end, a guy like Adrio Bailey, who's just such a good glue guy and uh, can block shots. So I think the front court matchup with Jackson Davis and Joey Brunk and Justin Smith versus um, the front court or the, the, the very small front court for Arkansas that's going to play Mason Jones at the four at times is going to be really, really interesting. Uh, this is a game where Arkansas needs Reggie Chaney to give them minutes where they need Gene Talsila to potentially give them some minutes to get, uh, you know, steady play uh, from from those front court guys. It's going to be, you know, incredibly important. But uh, I think Arkansas will find a way, and if they can hit some threes in Assembly Hall, they will win this game. I think they do win it. Okay, the last game to touch on, uh, Liberty will play at LSU. I'm going to roll with LSU in this one. I do think kind of the unbeaten pressure catches up to Liberty. Uh, I do think Liberty's still in fine position to get in that large bid, assuming they take care of business. Uh, but give me LSU to win at home. Well, first off, give credit to LSU for playing this game, right? I mean, Liberty got turned down by pretty much every high major team you can imagine when asking to play. And 
LSU was willing to, to play this game, and it should be a really, really good one. Uh, I think, you know, again, kind of this bl- somewhat blind trust thing, I think Liberty will find a way to win this game. I, th- I just think LSU uh, isn't a disciplined enough team to deal with the pack line and to deal with uh, the experience that, that Liberty brings, and Liberty won't be scared. You know, they, they just went on the road and beat Vanderbilt. Um, they won in the NCAA tournament last year against Mississippi State. They know what SEC basketball looks like, and they know they can compete with them. Uh, obviously, the athleticism challenge with a guy like Emmett Williams is is very severe. You know, same thing with the Darius Days up front as well. I think those those guys certainly present challenges for a team that isn't overly athletic, that you know doesn't necessarily pass the eye test in the layup line. Uh, but I think Liberty will control the tempo and make shots late, they remain undefeated and go undefeated in the regular season. That's the hot take. And then win the national championship. Won't go that far, but it would be fun. I'd say maybe Sweet 16 will sell for that. Sure. Uh, The last thing, going to make three more picks, uh, I guess. Who's going to win the college football playoff? Who are they beating in the title game? Man, this is tough. I mean, I watch a lot of college football. Um, you know, I cover a lot of college football, at least in the Big Ten. So very familiar with Ohio State, very familiar with the rest of the country. I think LSU will play Ohio State in that game because, to me, those are the two best teams in the country that I've watched day day in, day out this season. Uh, and it, I did not think after I watched Ohio State in person just literally tear the heart out of Northwestern and stomp it on Ryan Field <laughs> that I was picking anyone other than Ohio State to win the national championship, but LSU is to me the most complete team in the country. Uh, they've, you know, the best quarterback. They have um, the best offense, and uh, their defense is very well coached. So I think uh, LSU does win the national title. Uh, I am a man of many hats. I can I can talk about football on this podcast if you'd like. Uh, as someone who watched Ohio State more than a one, I think they're the best team in the country. Although LSU, I watched. Basically, LSU, I watched the Alabama game, and that was it for uh, me watching college football. Uh, Did watch Ohio State because I like to watch Gus Johnson call games. Uh, Just a big fan of his. Uh, I'll take Ohio State to beat LSU in the title game. Uh, I'm interested in this. Uh, We'll have kind of one eye on the college football playoff on Saturday while there's not really good slay of games uh so that will wrap it up for the making the madness podcast any last thoughts kevin uh before signing off here now man it's been fun uh you appreciate you having me it's it's been uh it's been fun kind of linking up all, all season long and and chatting hoops we've got several more months to go which is is always fun but uh hopefully you had a had a great holiday and uh thanks thanks for having me on Thanks again for coming on. Uh, make sure to follow him on Twitter at CBB Central. Uh, most of you probably already do. Uh, listen to the CBB Central podcast. Uh, get to hear the insights from uh, Kevin and Brad. I uh, can't forget about Brad. Uh, shout out him on the podcast. Uh, listen to that. Follow Kevin on Twitter. Uh, and thanks again for coming on. Uh, thank you to the listeners for listening. And have a nice day.